Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. The following program is brought to you by Podcast One Sportsnet. Don't forget to download our new Podcast One app. Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did. Go check out Kyler Murray and his NFL debut. That's my favorite thing about NFL Game Pass. You can go back and watch at any time. And if you haven't watched a condensed game yet, you have to try it out. It's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire NFL game in the fraction of the time it normally takes. It's how I'm able to follow all the MVP candidates, all the breakout stars, and, of course, your waiver wire pickups all season long. To see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now at NFL.com slash Pro Football Focus NFL. Welcome in to the PFF NFL Podcast. Steve Palazzolo back here with Sam Monson. Of course, hello to our YouTube friends over there. Appreciate all of the YouTube views of our newly recorded podcast. And of course, appreciate everybody listening on Podcast One, wherever you're listening. How's it going, man? Going good. You? Great. Excellent. You're excited for uh, another weekend of football, aren't you? Yeah. Thursday Night Football. I'm going to let you do the prediction this time. Okay. I, don't, I, I said Kirk Cousins was going to get killed last week. Hmm. And that was an exciting game. Like I kind of had it half right. Kirk Cousins survived, played really well. Yeah. So I'm going to let you do the prediction. Thursday night football. It's already happened by the time you're listening to this. But what happened in the Colts Patriots game from the future, Sam? The Colts Patriots game that happened was a glorious event. Yeah. Um, glorious. Tom Brady, rejuvenated by the return of Julian Edelman, was magnificent. Was he? He was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, led. The Patriots to 30-plus points, all kinds of yardage against this Colts defense. This very much bend, would not break. Tom Brady broke them. Bend Andrew, and break. The captain, Andrew Luck, almost executed a comeback, but ultimately fell short in a valiant, glorious ball of flames. Shoot, do you have a pre-read oh, for this? Oh, I have a pre-read. Okay. The captain, Andrew Luck, is here and ready. And you will appreciate this as a... a uh, New England? As a man. Yeah, there you go. New, New England. A man that hails from Boston. Or at least, you know, in that vicinity. The suburbs. Yes. So, 
Cue the music. Uh, dearest mother, we've reached the outskirts of Boston. Our unit tracked the Patriot men by the smell of baked beans and their unique, almost always shouting, dialect. Tomorrow night we battle. For now, I shall take some squirrel oil and then target practice. Andrew. The baked bean thing, mm-hmm. it's not really a thing. Like the seafood. Should have focused on the seafood. Maybe. Yeah. The, he has kind of nailed the almost always shouting. Yeah, we're loud. Yeah. Definitely loud. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my um, family parties, it's a lot of people screaming at each other. Yeah. Angrily. They're angry about stuff they shouldn't be angry about. So, yeah, you nailed it. So that's the captain. Good predictions for uh Of course, that was Thursday the captain night. from the past talking about a game that's happened. Yeah, of course. Yeah. We'll see what happens after this whole, he faces the this Patriot. This whole time-traveling thing is awkward. We're going to have to get a timeline sorted to do well, this. We've been good at it so far. Okay. So we'll see what happens. Let's get into the uh, games looking forward now. On Sunday, we're going to start with our marquee matchup of the week, and I think there's only one place to go. It's the Patrick Mahomes show. Showtime Mahomes against the Jacksonville Jaguars defense. Sam, what are we looking at here? Yeah, well, that's obviously the kind of key marquee matchup, right? Patrick Mahomes was slowed down vaguely by the Denver Broncos and still looked pretty fantastic, still ended up getting it done by the end. Um, The Jags' defense is fantastic, particularly the front. The coverage has been less than stellar this season compared to last year anyway. So that's the, the big kind of... Um, impact area. How does that defense slow down Mahomes? How do they slow down Kelsey, um, Tyreek Hill as well? I'm kind of intrigued by the other side of the ball, though, because that's what makes the Chiefs such a fascinating watch this season is that every game is going to be like this. It's going to be A, can they slow down Mahomes at all? And B, like how much can that Chiefs defense turn average-looking offenses into fantastic-looking units? Um, and you know, the Jags have some weapons on their side of the ball, and they're going up against the Chiefs defense. So can Blake Bortles sustain this, you know, sham of looking like a half-decent quarterback for a while? Going up against that Chiefs secondary, I think he probably bad. can. Because he's bad? Yeah. Chiefs have the lowest coverage grade yeah, in the they NFL. Suck. 41.3. Uh, Monday Night Football against Denver was their best game so far. Why would you pivot away from our marquee matchup, though? That is, I think they're both marquee matchups for different reasons. Okay. Well, let's focus on the real one. Mahomes and this passing game. You're right. That was, the, that was his most – it actually wasn't his lowest graded game, but it was his most difficult game statistically, and I thought you know some of the throws were tough. I thought Denver did a heck of a job making things difficult. A lot of tight window throws that he had to make, but down the stretch he was awesome. So this matchup with you know Ramsey and Boye and all of the receivers that Kansas City has – Jacksonville's linebackers are extremely fast, so if anybody can match up with the Travis Kelseys of the world, they should be able to. So, yeah, they can. I'm looking forward to that. Why can't they? Huh? They're Why? not good enough. Why? Because Kelsey's really good. Well, I know he's not. really good, but that's going to be that side of the ball is going to be outstanding. And now I get what you're saying. Bortles in this offense, he's done a nice job of just short passing game, creating stuff after the catch, making the necessary downfield throws when they're available. And there should be some available against the Chiefs. There will be, yeah, some available. How did? What's kind of interesting though is that D. Ford, Justin Houston, and Chris Jones are all three of them playing quite well. I mean, at least one out of that three makes sense, right? Chris Jones is a really good player. Justin Houston makes some more sense because we know he's a phenomenal player when he's healthy. It's just a case of how much has he got left after all these injuries. The D. Ford thing, I don't get at all. I mean, he's been a bad player and. Like, actual bad. Bad that even you might, you know, agree with it. 
Um, and yeah. he's suddenly playing well and actually rushing the passer. I think he's got like the third most total pressures of anybody in the league so far. Yeah. By far, his career, uh, career high grade of 79.8. His previous career high was 63.5 in 2016. That was when he had 12 sacks. Uh, has never had more than four sacks in a season other than that 2016 year, if you're just using sacks. But that was by far his highest pressures, too, 54. Yeah, but he's already got like 20 or something, 23 right? pressures, yeah. yep. So, yeah, playing much better. Even his grade against the run is good. Yeah, he's playing legitimately well, and it keeps going. I've, I've already, you know, that we predicted the Ryan Fitzpatrick thing falling to pieces. D Ford is another guy who you would have expected that at some point the wheels are going to fall off that wagon. Hasn't yet. Is this making the point that Eric and George like to make over on the forecast that it's all about coverage, my friends, because the Chiefs have the number six pass rush grade as a team, but the number, but the last coverage grade, dead last. And ultimately, you can rush the passer well and still give up yardage because yeah. coverage is the last line of defense. Absolutely. Unless you actually sack the quarterback, the ball can still get to a dangerous place. What are your thoughts on the Chiefs offensively now going back to that matchup? How, do you think, they, you think they're putting up 30 against this Jags defense? Or is this the, the time where the Chiefs come back down to earth against, against the Jacksonville D? No, I mean, I think this is a team that's going to average 30 30 plus over the season so you know they they may if they're gonna they may struggle against this defense because it's really good but they're still going to be definitely over 20 they're going to you know 28 the same kind of range they were against denver that's about as good i think as a team is going to be able to do against this team even if the jags have better personnel across the board than denver did i'm not sure they're going to do a better job of it um you know over the course of the game so i would imagine they'll be in the 28 to 30 range again i think they'll struggle a little bit compared to what they did those first three weeks. It might be similar to the Denver game, like you're saying. Patrick Mahomes is becoming this guy that, much like Aaron Rodgers, you have to pick your poison as far as if you actually do want to rush him and let him break contain. Mm -hmm. Because he did such a good job of breaking contain. If Von Miller got one yard upfield on Monday night, he was breaking contain and making plays outside the pocket. So you almost have to just keep that good pad level, compress the pocket, and it's not that he can't win from the pocket, but you just have to make it, tighter right make it congested for him yeah. and hope he misses a few throws this i is, mean that's where he is right now this is the thing we've made this aaron Rodgers comparison before reclaim the comparison steve we're not saying they're the same we're saying there are things you're saying similar. he's an instant hall of famer he's the best quarterback of all you know of all time yeah statistically so when you compare him to aaron Rodgers, the reason that i think you compare the two of them is because i don't know what the game plan should be going up against either of them right yeah that's um, fair Rodgers is the same thing. Most quarterbacks, the game plan you want to do is to pressure them because everybody plays worse under pressure. Um, you know, the, the average quarterback's pass rating drops like 35 points when you pressure them, right, over a, a long period of time. Sometimes it fluctuates, but generally speaking, you get pressure on the quarterback, his pass rating goes down, that's what you want to do. With Rodgers, though, once you get him outside of the pocket, he is absurd. He makes these incredible throws. It's absolute daggers through the heart of your defense. And that's the last thing you want to let him do. So now you're set in a situation, well, I don't really want to pressure him because if he gets out of the pocket, we're screwed. Mahomes is the same deal, right? The thing he's best at might be that crazy stuff ad-libbing outside of the pocket. So you don't want to do the thing you normally want to do to every other quarterback, but equally he's carving teams up if you just leave him alone quietly in the pocket. So you're back to what is the game plan? Like the, the Broncos at times in that game, Von Miller wasn't rushing. He like you know took two steps off the line and basically just stepped back and right. took a look at it. Like that's... That's, not, that's a problem because he's basically taking himself out of the game for serious stretches. Well, the last two weeks, uh, the Chiefs were forced to 
And Mahomes was forced to have a little bit more patience, take what was there, and that is that has been the strategy. He still succeeded, but I think that is going to be the strategy going forward is make the young second-year quarterback be very patient and continue to just make good decision after good decision. By the way, Mahomes has one turnover-worthy pass this entire season. Yeah, and that's, that's the incredible. problem with that, right? It's That was the question mark of his coming out is can he do that? And so far the answer is hell yes, he can. Should have had his first pick against Denver on Monday night, but it was dropped uh, still sitting at 14 touchdowns, no interceptions. What, uh, you take in Kansas City as well? Yeah. Um, I'm, I think it's close. I think it's a really good game. I'm looking forward to it. A uh, ton of AFC playoff implications, this Chiefs-Jaguars game here in Week 5. All right, we're going to fly through some games and hit on a couple others a little bit deeper, but let's go Falcons at the Steelers. Sam, what are we looking at quickly? Shootout. Both teams have got really good offenses. Neither team has got a great defense, particularly in coverage. That's, I mean, the Falcons have been in a shootout every single game this this year. The Steelers have been in a shootout most of their games. Um, you know, a good defense seems to be able to slow that team down at the moment, the way Roethlisberger is playing. But the Falcons are not a good defense. So, uh, both quarterbacks, I think, love big games. The real question mark for me is: is being, is Ben Roethlisberger actually going to start playing well at some point? Yeah, again, weird a weird thing because he's still making the really good throws, but he's just missing and making bad decisions way more than, first off, more than most other quarterbacks in the NFL and more than he usually does. Mm-hmm. So will he tidy that up? By the way, this is the first game since week one when we were questioning Matt Ryan's arm, the first outdoor game that he's played since that point. So he's been in the dome the last three weeks tearing it up. Let's see if the... Uh, so he's back to being a bum? Yeah, well, let's see. Okay. If throwing at Pittsburgh, just like he was at Philadelphia week one, they scored 12 points and they struggled. Let's see uh, how he does here. Uh, Matt Ryan's passer rating of 133 the last two weeks in their losses and playing uh, pretty well. What do I want to see? I want to see Julio and uh, Calvin Ridley against these um, Steelers cornerbacks. Yeah, that could be horrible. Joe Hayden, Artie Burns, Mike Hilton in the slot when they move him around. Looks like a Falcons advantage. But again, yes. Falcons are a different team in the Dome at home. They've played three straight home games, torn, you know, tearing it up offensively. I think they might regress back a little bit, even though they're going up against a, a rough Pittsburgh back seven. Yeah. What do we have uh, pick-wise, though? I think uh, I, you I went took, Pittsburgh. I did I take Pittsburgh. Atlanta. And, uh, of course, Big Ben's much different at home, too. So this will be the day he bounces back this week, okay. Big Ben. Uh, we've got our Dalton Coaster of the Week, Sam. Uh, give me your Dalton Coaster of the Week. Who it sounds you, like who you're you going at? Big Ben. Um, well, look, I think Big Ben does bounce back, okay. um, so he's in there. I'm going to go with a repeat performer, though, Xavier Howard, which is going to lead us into our Dolphins-Bengals analysis. I'll get to yours in a second because yours is the game after that. Okay. Let's start with Xavier. Mm-hmm. We were on here last week. We talked about it on Monday as well. He can look like Richard Sherman. He could look like a bad corner. Last week, I think it was 3-for-3 three three into his coverage, two touchdowns. Didn't look great. So Xavier Howard going up against the Bengals and little A.J. Green matchup in this one yeah gave up 73 yards two scores against the patriots um but the week before that he was basically shut down the week before that the numbers were shut down but he let there were some plays on the table that didn't necessarily count so he's basically been all over the spectrum over the last three weeks from terrible average to really really good it, who the hell knows which Xavier howard is going to turn up this week aj green gives you that perfect test because Howard, at his best, can definitely live with A.J. Green and go one-on-one with him and actually do a good job in a way most corners can't. Anything south of that, and A.J. Green is probably going to destroy him. You tune into this game because it might be A.J. Green versus Richard Sherman. It might be A.J. Green versus a Richard Sherman type of quarterback like Xavier Howard, cornerback, and or it could be a Big yeah. 12 corner. Yeah. 
like he used to be. Um, I'm also going to keep an eye on this Bengals pass rush, number five in the NFL, going up against the Dolphins, who are 19th in pass blocking. feel like they've played a little over their skis, offensive line-wise, this over year. Over their skis? Yeah. Right? Is that the phrase? Yeah. A little, little, little better than they should be. Uh, Geno Atkins has 26 pressures. Carlos, uh, pressures. Carlos Dunlap has 14. Carl Lawson has 17. It's a pretty good trio right really there. Is, We've yeah. talked about this a lot this year. And that's why I got the Bengals winning this game. The Dolphins' regression is going to start hitting hard. We all have the Bengals. Like you, I said, that that was a demoralizing body blow for the Dolphins. Just this, yeah, the flying high, thinking they were good, and then, ah, crap. No, it turns out we still suck. The Patriots, even though they're not very good, can just roll in and beat the hell out of us. Give me your Dalton coaster as it leads us into our next game here. I'm going to go with Von Miller. Um, I said the week before that Von Miller doesn't have two bad games in a row. turns out the exception of that is when he has to play Mitchell Schwartz as the second week yes. because Mitchell Schwartz has a history of shutting down Von Miller. He does really well. Yeah, yeah going one-on-one on one with him. Now, part of that is helped by the fact that, as I said, there were plays in that game where Von Miller legitimately wasn't rushing. He took a couple of steps and then was basically just watching to see what Mahomes did. Right. So he took himself out of the play on some, um, some rushes. But Mitchell Schwartz did legitimately go one-on-one with him a lot and shut him down. So that's two bad games in a row for Von Miller for a guy who doesn't have that many bad games in his career, period. This the law of averages says he's got to bounce back this week. So you're watching Vaughn against the Jets. Anything else in this game that's standing out to you? Yeah, this, I mean, Sam Darnold against that Denver secondary that did do so well against Mahomes. Darnold's week-by-week PFF grade right now goes 67, 59, 44 37 in sequence i thought every player just chronologically gets better yeah well just get better every week he's going the other way on a weekly basis yeah that's not good no so if that trend continues he'll have a grade in the 20s this week which okay. will make him josh allen i'm gonna guess he's not gonna do that okay but uh yeah i want to see donald start showing some progression i'm gonna keep saying he's young for he the is rest young. of the season and he will remain young for this whole season really yeah, he will. Mm. He will. He's not going to age all that much. Not more than anyone else, at least. No, I mean, he'll age, you know, a few months over the course of the season, give or take. Wow. Bold, bold stance there. A hot take from Sam. I want to see on the other side now, Case Keenum regresses back into Case Keenum. That's what he is right now. Is So at some point, it was a 66.2 overall grade, uh, which is actually lo- not his not his second best grade of all time, right? Last year was by far his best grade of all time in the, at 81. 2015, we actually had him graded higher than he is right now. So Case Keenum, so far, has regressed back into what he, we thought he was, and that's why Denver's, I think, in trouble as a team. He did make some big plays in that game, though, against the, the Chiefs. Um, there were some plays where he didn't like answer Mahomes in terms of he wasn't living with him, but just when you were like, okay, that's that done. Keenum came out with a big time throw. The seam route down the. I was actually in the middle of tweeting that this doesn't look like what Mahomes just did, and then he makes that incredible throw. He made me look stupid for a throw, <laughs> but then he missed the potential game winner over he Demarius did. Thomas. A lot of people blamed Demarius Thomas for that. I don't think. I think he missed the throw anyway. Yeah, um, it wasn't great, but he did make some throws in there that made you remember that he actually does still have some talent out there, and he's got that ad libbing streak to him. He made something. I can't remember what the play was, but he made something kind of weird happen that. You know, quarterback just doesn't typically make. He's got something to him that hasn't, that's still there. Um, and we said all along, like last year, the whole narrative was Denver will be fine as long as they get average quarterback play. 
Now, Trevor Simeon went in the tank and they didn't get anything close to average. But if Keenum can stay somewhere in the average range, they have actually got a shot. Well, he's the number 26 quarterback in the NFL right now. I think that's close to where we had him in our preseason rankings, not buying into last, not giving him full credit for last season as far as, you know, do it again. You know, prove it to me one more time. So ultimately, I think Keenum right now is looking like the bridge quarterback that we called him. At least I called him this offseason. You, yeah. be- you believe in him a little bit more than I do, I think. Uh, you're t- everybody's taking Denver except I'm taking I'm taking the Jets. I'm expecting Donald to uh, bounce back and wow. block that trend. Yeah, taking the Jets. Okay, at home. Yes, at home. Denver's traveling east. All right, next game we've got the Baltimore Ravens at the Cleveland Browns. I'm looking at your notes. All it says is Baker. Well, it doesn't that's not all it says? That's what it leads off with Baker. Every in all game, caps. every Browns game from here on in, the first thing I'm going to be watching for is Baker. In all caps, Baker. Yeah. Uh, he looked good, I thought, against the Raiders. I mean, it was that was such a weird game. For a start, I have no idea how, I have no idea how the game was even close, let alone the Raiders winning it at the end. Like the Browns should have had that in hand by a mile, but somehow conspired to lose the thing. I really typical Browns game. Like Baker opened that game zero for three with a pick six, and all three passes hit his receivers in the hands and were dropped. So I think Baker's better than the statistics showed in that game. There Can I some, give you the drop stats what, since you just mentioned it? One second. There were some bad plays in that game as well, but Baker was completely undone, in particular by drops. To what extent with the drops, Steve? Are you ready now? Yes. Baker Mayfield's had 14.1% of his passes dropped. Mm-hmm. By far highest in the league. Number two, Carson Wentz at 9.2. So he's 5% higher than number two. He's 7% higher than the fifth highest quarterback in the league, which is Case Keenum. 7% of his passes have been dropped. Yeah. So a lot of passes dropped for Baker. It kind of undid him. Plus the whole thing with the officials screwing the Browns out of a first down that would have won the game late on. And and general madness of somehow Oakland actually coming back. When you look at the um, overall team grades, it's a really crude measure. of. uh, It doesn't always work that way that the best-graded team wins the game because – points come about by weird one-off plays and sure. all this kind of stuff right but it's it kind of it illustrates what i'm talking about that the browns played dramatically better than the raiders and somehow conspired to lose the game they as a, on a team level were significantly better graded on both sides of the ball than the raiders were yeah it's not surprising just a weird game I, again i think browns fans be optimistic yeah that stuff that stuff will even out uh, matchup wise i i want to really see miles garrett going up against ronnie stanley miles garrett's our number 11 graded pass rusher ronnie stanley number 11 graded pass blocker mm. so pretty good matchup on the edge there 11 on 11 11 on 11 and miles garrett quietly what was his weakness coming out the run game number one graded edge defender against the run um his real weakness though according to scouts was that he played an instrument yeah so he was soft mm-hmm. yeah that's not that's not good analysis no miles garrett's a really good player playing really well all yeah. right, we're going to our biggest. Who did you choose? Oh, oh yeah, who did we take Oh, we here? both went Browns. I think we're both going to just Baker show the rest of the year. The Ravens, much, a lot of credit for what they did on the road against Pittsburgh last week. Just looked like the better team. Yeah. I was surprised by that. I haven't been a Ravens believer for a few years now. That was one of the more impressive. I know the Steelers aren't the same, but I was just impressed by their handling of that game on the road at Pittsburgh, was not expecting it. They're was always, expecting Pittsburgh to bounce back. They're always kind of better than you think they should be. They're one of those teams that I think, and it probably comes down to coaching. 
is that they just outperform the way they should be given some of the really bad players they have at times. I think it's like Harbaugh's had not great rosters over the last couple of years yeah. and still had them, you know, mostly competitive. So credit them, but we've got I got the I got the Browns bouncing back this week. Brings us to their the biggest mismatch of the week, Sam. What do you have? The Vikings offensive line against the Philadelphia Eagles defensive line slash front. Um, that I so this is a rematch of the NFC Championship game, and just the more you look at it, the more it kind of has to go exactly the same way. That the Eagles are just going to get a relentless volume of pressure against that Minnesota Vikings offensive line. I can't really see any way they they overcome that. It's just too hard. Like in the NFC Championship game, Kirk Cousins was under pressure, or uh, Case Keenum, sorry, was under pressure. 48% of his dropbacks against the Eagles. That's a monster number. It's basically unmanageable as a quarterback. Through four games, the Vikings have given up 81 total pressures, I think, which is the most in the league by a mile, which is on pace to be the most we've ever seen over a season by a mile. Um, and is just. It's a disaster. Now, okay, the Vikings have played more passing downs than anybody else. They've had a game go, uh, they've tied a game, so they've had a game go all the way through overtime. They've been down in a lot of games. They've been passing a lot. But even if you look at it on a per-passing play basis, they're there with the Cardinals and the Texans as completely unmanageable pass-blocking offensive lines. And now they're going up against the the best defensive front in football. So, disaster. I think it's a fair mismatch. Uh, Kirk Cousins... 55 grade when under pressure big drop off there his stats aren't bad under pressure but the grade you know still below average typical so it's going to be a key factor there i also want to see this is the first time carson wentz has gone up against mike zimmer's defense because he didn't obviously play in the nfc championship last year and two years ago carson wentz's rookie season this was the game right around this time of year week five or six i can't remember exactly when it was where carson wentz went from one of our highest graded quarterbacks early his first few games to just like taking a step like this was the first like welcome to the NFL game for him going up against that Zimmer defense now I know the Vikings defense is performing horribly right now but Zimmer still has the double a gap pressure package I mean he still has some of the stuff that confused Wentz a couple of years ago and uh, I kind of want to see how how they handle that it's completely different teams now but I just want to see this you know Second matchup, Wentz versus Zimmer. So the Eagles on defense lead the NFL in total pressures. They already have 103 as a defense. Um, the Kansas City Chiefs, weirdly, are number two. With you have your filters right? Probably. Well, no, I haven't taken that. I filters. trust you. Whatever. Um, they're right up there. They have the number two best win percentage in the league behind only the Rams, who have already played the Vikings offensive line, which is going to help boost that. Um, so yeah, kind of like is, the Seahawks O line boost, right? For Aaron Donald, every single year gets two games against the Seahawks. The Rams still have two of. Yeah, so essentially, you just backs up the point. They're going to face the number one pass rushing unit in the NFL, and that's going to go badly. So it wouldn't surprise me if Minnesota made this into a really good game. You know, just play. You know, played up to the competition level, and, and you know, made it a little bit less lopsided than our picks would seem because we all took the Eagles. We did. But uh, I think it'll end up being a pretty good game. Another NFC matchup, Green Bay Packers at the Detroit Lions. What are we watching, Sam? I'm interested to look at Frank Ragnow. He allowed 13 total pressures in the first two games, was grading like crap. And then, bam, that Patriots game happened, and he hasn't allowed a pressure since. So two games to start the season, 13 total pressures, terrible grade. 
two games from that point on, perfect pass protection in those two games. Yep. So um, this is a real test. Now, was that just a case of finding a couple of teams that are relatively weak on the inside, the Patriots with their big bodies that don't really rush the passer, and the Cowboys just with you know guys you've never heard of on the inside of yeah. their defensive I line? I mean, that was two of the worst interior pass rushing teams in the NFL. Yeah, so it's a an asterisk at least, right? Now he goes up against the Packers who have at least one of their sort of trio of dominant defensive linemen down, but Kenny Clark should be there. Um, uh, Mike Daniel should be there. That's two really formidable defensive linemen he's going to have to block. Plus uh, Mike Pettin's scheme, you know, yeah. a little bit of confusion in the front, and you know, they do a lot of different things. So, you know, it's, it's difficult... We don't know yet. Was that a case of he just got some fit more favorable opposition, or has he actually turned a corner? Yeah, so I want to see uh, I want to see the other side of the ball. Aaron Rodgers, see if he can get back on track against the Lions. Generally plays well uh, you know, at Detroit. And then the Devontae Adams-Darius Slay. That's assuming matchup. Adams plays. He picked up a calf injury. So the Packers could be down to their three rookie wide receivers. Because That's why Allison, they drafted all those guys. Yeah, because Allison and uh, who's it, Randall Cobb, are also already down. So in, literally the only healthy receivers right now are the three rookies, I yeah, believe. It's an interesting situation in Green Bay where it's always been the offense carrying the defense, and the defense has put themselves in position to mitigate things. If you know, When the offense has, has injuries, has one leg, one leg at Aaron Rodgers, or has Aaron Rodgers have a not very good game last week against the Buffalo Bills, the defense is finding a way to get it done. Uh, if Devontae plays or whoever's out there, I'd always like watching Darius Slay, only giving up a passer rating of 56.8 into his coverage so far this year. We're all taking Green Bay, except for Neal, who continues to go rogue on a couple picks every single week. He's taking the Lions. Uh, this could be the game where the Lions, they fall to one and four, and then they start flipping players. They start trading Golden Tate and, you know. You are, you are desperate to get Golden Tate on the Patriots roster, however you can manage oh, no, to make I just, that happen. We just did our little exercise as far as uh, trades that we would like to see. Yeah, And I had the Jaguars, and I said Golden Tate in his last year of the contract. Yeah, I, just think he's a, I just think he's a perfect candidate once the Lions fall out of this uh, playoff picture. You, you're just desperate to get him out of Detroit for some reason. I am not. Anyway, just I think it makes a lot of sense. Okay. Uh, quick break to tell you about our friends over at Simply Safe. Sam, you've already installed this thing into your home because it's pretty awesome, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty cool. It's it's pretty idiot proof, which is always handy because you know never underestimate an idiot. Um, but it all installs simply. the The whole thing like attaches to your wall with like double sided sticky tape. Essentially, you don't have to screw anything in. You just plug it all in. the The little keypad thing comes off the wall once it's all installed. You just walk around in pairs with all the devices, and bam, you're like James Bond secure. James Bond secure. We're big fans of Simply Safe here because Simply Safe is ready for anything that gets thrown at it. If a storm takes out your power, Simply Safe is ready. An intruder cuts your phone line. Hope that doesn't happen, Sam. Simply Safe is ready. This is what I'm saying, that. right? That would take down the uh, that would take down the house in the movies, not you, because you have. But when you Simply have Simply Safe, Safe, you're good. They could destroy your keypad or siren. Simply Safe will still get you the help that you need. Maybe it's overkill. Maybe you don't need to be ready for every worst case scenario, but that's what makes Simply Safe's home security so great. It is always ready and it doesn't cost a lot. It really doesn't. Because it's only it's only 14.99 a month. Yeah. I had to double check that. I just so my old security system was more than double that. Yes. And they sent me the Simply Safe and I was like there's no way. There's no way it's this cheap. 
only fourteen ninety nine a month, less than double what I was, or less than half of what I was just paying. It's twenty four seven professional security monitoring, and there's no contracts or hidden fees. So I'm recommending Simply Safe. I'm not have to. I don't have to recommend it to you because you already have one. Mm. I'm recommending it to Matt over here, who's uh, producing the show. So get yourself a Simply Safe, Matt. I highly recommend it. I'm recommending it to everybody in YouTube land and in podcast land. So if you go to simplysafe.com slash PFF today, that's simplysafe.com slash PFF, you can, uh, you can get that special discount, the fourteen ninety nine a month. Simplysafe.com slash PFF. Go there today to protect your home and family today. All right. Let's get into the rest of the games. New York Giants at the Carolina Panthers. We're going rapid fire through the rest of these games, Sam. Give me one good matchup to watch. Will Hernandez versus Kawan Short. Uh, Will Hernandez has actually been grading really well. Everybody was talking about Quentin Nelson as this, you know, prodigious superhero guard prospect, the best person to come along since, you know, whenever. We were too. Back in the back in the late fifties. But Quentin Nelson's actually been struggling a little bit. Will Hernandez has been the guy that's been grading the best. Now Kawan Short lines up almost exclusively on the right side of the defensive line, going to be going up against the left guard of the Giants, i.e. Hernandez. So this is going to be as close of a one-on-one matchup as you get on the defensive line on the inside. I mean, that's going to that's gonna give you a pretty good litmus test, right, of how good yeah, Hernandez is. Litmus test, by the way, for the, uh, the old listeners of the podcast. That'll, yeah. that'll ring some bells. Oh, yeah, good old science class back in the day. Um, Giants-Panthers doesn't look like the best matchup on paper, but when you look at that particular one-on-one player matchup, and then I'm going to go Luke Keekley against Saquon Barkley. Ooh. In the pass game, in the run game. If there's a guy that can live with Saquon Barkley in space. It's Luke. Right. So this is not one of those games where I'm just like, man, I can't, on the surface, can't wait to watch it. But when you're talking about just individual matchups to watch, this might be as good as it gets. This week, so I want to see one of the best leagues, league's best coverage linebackers in Keekley against Saquon, who does move extremely well in space. We joke about his you know lack of value, but he still has those special movement skills, and, and he's dangerous mm-hmm. with the ball in his hand. So I want to check that out. Uh, where are we going pick wise? Carol- uh, Carolina. Neil goes rogue again. He's yes. taking the Giants. Giants fans keep complimenting him because he keeps taking the <laughs> Giants. I guess so. He's going down with the ship. Uh, Tennessee Titans at the Buffalo Bills. What are we watching? Um, this Titans defense, which appears to actually be quite good, uh, going up against Buffalo's offense, which appears to be really quite bad. Josh Allen last week had an overall PFF grade of 28. It's not good. It's really not. Out of 100. Yeah, 28 out of 100. He had I, one of those. By way back in primary school, I did Latin for two years. Um, the first year of Latin, I got 42%, and the second year of Latin, I got 27%. And that was basically at the point where you only had to do it for two years and you could drop it and, you know, do a proper subject. So for the entire second year, it was basically like, well, I'm never going to need this for the rest of my life. I'm basically not listening to you. I'm going to sit here and, you know, read whatever. You're comparing your mailed-in Latin grade to that's Josh Allen. That's as well as Josh Allen graded in this game last week. It was, as if, it was, he, it was as if he hadn't shown up for the entire year, rolled into an exam, and they asked him a question in Latin, and he didn't have any idea what they were talking about. I have, I have nothing to add to that. That's what it was. I'll be watching. Mm-hmm. It's a great analogy. Thank you. Uh, Jerry Hughes and Taylor Luan on the other side. Jerry Hughes, number four pass rushing grade. One of the few guys getting after the quarterback for the Buffalo Bills. And then Taylor Luan, he's number 39 as a pass blocker right now, but he, we got four or five years track record of him being uh, really good 
as a pass protector. So Hughes versus Luan. And I think we're all taking Tennessee in this one. And Hughes is coming off like the two game stretch. Talk about the roller coaster. He got what thirteen pressures against Riley Reef, which is I think one of the highest ten pressure totals we've ever seen in a single game. Then I think he basically got shut down by David Bakhtiari. Right. I haven't checked what it is, but it was like one pressure or something. So almost completely shut down versus one of the top ten pressure totals we've ever seen. What is? I mean, where does that go against Taylor? And Luan's not as good as Bakhtiari, but better than Reef. He's yes. in between those two. So it could be anywhere. Brings up that old you know, Robert Quinn deal. When Robert Quinn would have like a 12-pressure game back in 2013 and they get shut down by Joe Staley. But there's, there's value in the domination because, you know, the Bills won that game. Yeah. Um, anyway, we're all taking the Tennessee Titans here. Um, I can't believe I haven't mentioned the Corey Davis breakout Hall oh, of Fame God. game from last week, though. Yeah. Uh, yeah. You ready? No. The quest to 1,000 receptions continues. What's he at now? What's the tally? I don't know. Probably 40. 40? Probably 40 or 50. Let's have a look. Uh, look it up while we move on to the you, next game. You wax lyrical about Corey Davis. Corey Davis, great passes. route runner. He's actually gone. Big play life. threat, contested catch. He can do it all. He can win everywhere. If Mariota could just get him the ball, he'll get to his... 1,200 total receptions is probably where he'll need to be by the end of it. I just added 200. Uh, for those of you who don't know, back uh, before the draft in 2017, we had to make a very bold prediction about the draft, and I said Corey Davis will be top 10 all-time in receptions by the time it's all said and done. He got off to a slow start last year, but where are we at right now, Sam? We're flying. Over two years, he's got 56 total receptions. So there you go. We're moving right now. Right. That's I mean, like three weeks of Michael Thomas. One touchdown. In two years, I had I did not make a prediction about touchdowns. You didn't. That's true. I did not. And he also he had a couple touchdowns in the playoff game. That doesn't count against New England. You're right. Touchdowns it doesn't in the count. playoff game. It also doesn't count for his like career total. You can't count those. I said receptions, top ten all time. He's he's moving now. All right, <laughs> Oakland Raiders at the Los Angeles Chargers. What are you watching now, Sam? Uh, the Raiders against the Chargers. Oh, Brandon Parker, right tackle. Donald Penn is down. He's on IR because he had to change sides of the line, uh, and that's tough on the groin, Steve. You, you gotta, you've got to reverse everything you've done for the last 15 years. Apparently, that's way harder than you think it is. It's Are you gonna, mocking our friends? A little bit. It's going to tear your groin. So Donald Penn is down. Brandon Parker came in you know, halfway through that game against the Browns, and just in that game, in the 39 pass-blocking snaps he played, he gave up two sacks and four total pressures. So I'm curious to see how that's going to work going up against the Chargers who do have some edge rush. Yeah. Okay. Donald Penn. Poor guy. Uh, I'm looking at the something's got to give here, Bowl. Chargers okay. have the second worst pass blocking unit. Oh, it's terrible. And the Raiders have the worst pass rush in the NFL. Even Maurice worse. Hurst showed signs of life last week. Yeah. With his highest graded game for by you know Trip by a side. wide margin. Uh, so something's got to give. Chargers pass blocking is either going to have their best game against a bad Raiders pass rush, or the Raiders are finally going to start getting some pressure. So it's interesting, right? At the top end, at the other end of that scale, really good pass blockers typically shut down really good pass rushers. On the other end of the scale, I think it works the opposite, that terrible pass rushers will still get pressure against terrible pass blockers. Those Colts-Texans last week, we talked about that. Yeah. Like Colts don't have a great defensive front. And they still, still got a pretty... A, pretty decent healthy amount of pressure against the texans i think we're all taking the chargers in this one yes yep. consensus across the board here uh, arizona cardinals at the san francisco 49ers give our guys something to watch here uh rosen 
Rosen in week two. I was really impressed with him in week one, and he was under pressure about as much as we said he would be going into that game. It just didn't matter. He still yep. played incredibly in the face of all that pressure. That typically is not sustainable. You know, we've talked about this endlessly. You just can't play under that volume of pressure for any kind of consistent period of time. So what happens in week two? Do we see another good performance from Rosen? Does he go? Does it go completely south the way it has with Sam Darnold a little bit because he's going to be under so much pressure? I think that's worth watching. Rosen, absolutely. The, uh, the thing to watch with the Arizona Cardinals because the rest of that roster is struggling right now. Uh, I do want to see this as another something's got to give here, right? Cardinals have the fourth worst pass rushing unit going up against the Niners who have the third worst pass blocking unit so another one of those fun matchups to watch Sam and also just Patrick Peterson in general I think there was a point in his career where we said look he's great at man coverage you put him in a zone scheme he's a little inconsistent but he's been really good in this new scheme that's a little bit more zone heavy playing more off coverage he's only given up seven receptions all season for only 54 yards Um, so Patrick Peterson's still worth watching is he a guy that you think might have any trade value not to play you know major league baseball here where there's a lot more star trades or whatever but if arizona's really got no shot yeah do they go full rebuild and is patrick peterson a guy like if the chiefs like what if the chiefs right with their disaster in the secondary started looking at patrick peterson that would be i mean it's going to cost them to do it sure in terms of certainly in terms of trade collateral and then the contract but yeah that they would they could desperately use a guy like Patrick Peterson. I thought the Earl Thomas thing to Kansas City actually made a lot of sense before Thomas broke his leg. Right. And the way in which he broke his leg apparently is putting him out long enough that it's not worth doing. Right. Like if they were, even if he had broken his leg, if they were able to get him back in like six weeks' time, it may be worth it for them. This is a team that you know expects to be playing in the playoffs. Oh, that would be and worth it. A guy like Earl Thomas could transform that pass defense on his own. So it might have been worth rolling the dice at that point. Um, but Patrick Peterson would make a ton of sense. And for the Cardinals, they would get – it's got to be a first-round pick, right? You're not taking anything less for Patrick Peterson. So they get a first-round pick out of it. Plus, they actually save money on the salary cap by getting his co- right. uh, contract off the books. I mean, it's – it's uh, teams, I think, are very reluctant to basically just hold up the white flag and say we're bailing on this year, which is what that is, right? If you trade away your best player, you basically say, oh, yeah. yeah, we're done. Well – I'll be watching some Peterson because he's been playing extremely well, and our grading is backing up, number two corner so far. Uh, this is a mixed bag. We've got I'm taking the Niners. You're taking same. the Niners. Yeah. And there's a couple other people taking Arizona. All right, staying in the same division, we've got the Los Angeles Rams at the Seattle Seahawks. What are you watching for in this one? So I was torn on how to pick this game. Obviously, the Rams are the best team in football right now, and the Seahawks very much aren't. Um, but it's a division game. It's in Seattle where they are a legitimately different team. Um, and I don't, I don't really know how it's going to go, right? But the problem is I don't think it's going to be one of two things. Either the Rams are going to roll up there and just stomp the living life essence out of the Seahawks and essentially obliterate what's left of that franchise, or Seattle are somehow going to recapture that 12 magic and home field advantage and all this kind of stuff, and they're actually going to find a way to at the very least keep it close and low scoring and potentially even steal a win. If you look at the two games last season, that's exactly what happened. One of them was a blowout. It was 40-something points to not very much um, for the Rams, and the other one was really close. It was a low-scoring affair that I think the Seahawks won. So now the Rams are better this year than they were a year ago, but I, I kind of think it's going to be the same thing. Either the Rams are going to get 
or the the Seahawks are going to get absolutely murdered, or they're somehow going to find a way to, you know, recapture some of the old magic. So I think I think it's going to be something in between. I no, think well, that's I, the one thing it's not going to be. So here's what it, no, because I think it's I think it ends up being a shootout. No. So listen, with Russell Wilson, Russell Wilson's going to be the X factor with Seattle. Mm-hmm. The supporting cast is by far the worst that he's ever had, from O line to the defense, like all the the entire team, and Russell Wilson. When they had that great supporting cast, would have a ton of games where they scored 10 points and 15 points and 16 points, and they still found a way to win with that great defense. If he does that, every now and again, that's going to happen. He's going to be a disaster. But when he plays great, and you combined it with the old supporting cast, you had dominant Seattle. Now when he plays great, there were games last year where they lost to the Falcons 34-31 at home. They lost to the, to the Redskins at home. They beat Houston 41-38. to they're now this team that if, even if Russell Wilson plays great, he can only carry them so far, and then there's, you know, then it comes down to a few plays and it's sketchy. I think it's closer to that. Man. I think Russell Wilson plays one of his really good games, but because everybody else around him, the O-line, the defense, they just can't keep up with the Rams. The Rams are just too good. I don't care where it is. Random addition to this game, Bobby Wagner has turned into like a tackling machine. Um, he's, missed one, he's missed three tackles in the last year and a half and all three of those came after he injured himself and he was playing hurt for three games late last year yeah yeah so he was perfect all last season then he injured himself had to play hurt for a few games and missed three tackles in like two games this season he's yet to miss a tackle so he's sort of reset the standard remember takio spikes used to be the guy that just never missed tackles he missed like three in a couple but of he, years he didn't have like he didn't have the type of range that wagner has no but even like, so like just in, in terms of pure tackling ability right like he didn't Keo spikes barely ever missed but he was missing like you know five single digits every single year bobby wagner's missed three in his last 170 something attempts that's uh, insane oh absolutely it's very it's incredible um also want to watch Goff on the road Goff's our highest graded quarterback right now leading the league in big time throws Coming off of uh, by far the best two game stretch of his career. System quarterback. Yeah, just a system guy. Uh, last game. It's Sunday night football. Last game for us to cover here. We got stuff falling. I'm going to try to save it. Oh, uh, Dallas Cowboys at the Houston Texans, Sam. Yeah. Um, it's always Watson versus his O line pressure. You know, it's the story for Houston all season long. It's the same story for the Minnesota Vikings, um, only. I think Watson is playing better than Kirk Cousins right now, even if the numbers don't necessarily back it up. I think he's better equipped to play under pressure than Kirk Cousins is just because he's that kind of quarterback, the one yep. that's happier running around. Um, he also – it's it's pressure percentage is a statistic that gets thrown around kind of directed at the offensive line a lot of the time. Look, the quarterback was under pressure 40-something percent of the time. That offensive line stinks. We're guilty but, of it as well. Yeah, yeah, and we've talked before in the in the past about how Russell Wilson is one of these quarterbacks where, yes, their offensive line is terrible in Seattle, but Russell Wilson is also to blame for a lot of that pressure. Uh, whether it's bailing from clean pockets and then finding himself under pressure later on, whether it's just holding onto the ball for an age until the pressure comes, you, you know, the quarterback influences that number a lot. So Deshaun Watson is currently number one in pressure rate in the NFL. He's under pressure. 47% of his dropbacks so far this season, which is right up there. Like I said, Case Keenum was under pressure for 48% of his dropbacks in the NFC Championship game, and that's the level of you cannot play under that circumstances. Um, if you're over 45%, it's usually the quarterback is going to have real problems getting anything done. So Watson is under pressure 47% of the time, but he has the slowest average time to throw in the NFL. He's the only quarterback in the league 
who holds the ball for an average of three plus seconds. So that's obviously influencing that number a huge amount. So the Texans' offensive line is garbage, but or and uh, Deshaun Watson is stressing them more than a quarterback should or could. We've we've got um, multiple pieces of analysis on Watson on our various channels. We've got a YouTube video where I think Zach Robinson does a great job of explaining why why that surprises him. Actually, why the three seconds surprises him based off what he was at Clemson. He was a one read guy at Clemson at times. Uh, and then he would take off a little bit too soon. This and then the last couple of years, he's extended plays a lot more. Uh, Mike Renner, as I see in the edit email here, Sam, they just he just emailed it in. He does a, a breakdown for the site on Watson and his improved passing at the ten to nineteen yard level. You guys want to check out those numbers at ProFootballFocus.com. dot com. Um, but it's like night and day. The main premise of both of these pieces the last couple days, though. Deshaun Watson's actually grading better and playing better this year than he did last year, even yeah. though the stats aren't as good. The passer rating has taken a 10, taken a 10 point hit. The touchdown re- regression that we expected is all there, but he's actually playing better. That was our preseason prediction. He's going to play better, but he's not going to get the same hype. And he's not getting the same hype in part because the numbers are just pedestrian compared to the rest of the NFL right now. And of course, you've got your Patrick Mahomes and Jared Goffs of the world that are, that are tearing it up. So also because they're losing. Yeah. And also because they're losing, but, um, yeah, with Watson, I think, again, Texans fans, be encouraged that he's playing better. Uh, be discouraged that the rest of the team is not all that good. So um, I'm taking Houston in this one, though. I'm taking Houston. I think it's going to be a close one. I think it'll be uh, – it's not a flashy Sunday night matchup, I don't think, but uh, I think it'll be a pretty good game with Dallas. Yeah, I'm going with Houston. I think that um, DeMarcus Lawrence versus Houston offensive line could get ugly, but I think other than that, I'm not – terrified by the Dallas defensive front and you know Watson has still been playing well in the face of that oh so there you have it uh most of us are taking it's not unanimous right no we've got Renner's taking Dallas and Gordon and Gordon is also taking Dallas of course for the real picks pro football focus has green line it's all part of your elite package you can go get your picks there and when you sign up for elite the best part you can sign up for elite to get some green line you can sign up for elite to get premium stats version 2.0 2.0 it's the number one football product on the market sam so uh, be sure to go do that that's the only way to prepare for a weekend of nfl football. yeah absolutely I'm glad you agree all right guys thanks for tuning in we'll be back here monday with our week five recap everybody enjoy the weekend's football action Quick break to tell you guys about NFL Game Pass, the only way that you can replay every game all season long. You can relive all the gutsy calls, crazy catches, wild comebacks, and breakout stars from every game every week. It's all the action, all the football you can handle, all in one place. So every game that we're talking about right now, you guys can rewatch it after the fact. I'm going to be going back, and you guys can too. Go check out Lamar Jackson in week one. Go check out Dak Prescott and what that Cowboys offense actually did go check out kyler murray and his nfl debut that's my favorite thing about nfl game pass you can go back and watch at any time and if you haven't watched a condensed game yet you have to try it out it's every play from the game back to back to back so you can replay an entire nfl game in the fraction of the time it normally takes it's how i'm able to follow all the mvp candidates all the breakout stars and of course your waiver wire pickups all season long to see all the action this season and stay on top of all the big storylines, you need NFL Game Pass. Best of all, you can kick off the 2019 NFL season with a seven-day free trial of NFL Game Pass. Just sign up now 
at NFL.com slash Pro Football Focus NFL.